All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Thanks for coming today. Uh, if you came because president was listed to speak, I'm sorry that you got me instead. Um, but I truly want to say thank you for being here um, with uh, no uh, need for chapel credits right now. You could be elsewhere. And I truly do thank you for uh, being here. Um, so, when turkey and cranberry can't satisfy, um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, not necessarily turkey and cranberry, um, but profound gratitude uh, rooted in Christ. Uh, and so, I want today to be uh, very much what the song we sang earlier um, spoke about, and that's that, that God's word speaks today, and that his spirit um, is in this place and moving in our hearts and lives. And so we're going to be very scripture heavy today because I just want the word of God um, to speak to us today. So is everybody ready for Thanksgiving break? All right. Everyone seems a little bit asleep still. So um, let's uh, get ready um, for the word of God. Um, Would you stand uh, as I pray? I'm going to be praying scripture as well today. I'm going to have you stand for just a few minutes here. Uh, Pray with me. Dear God, I am asking that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. You have rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son you love. In him we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, for this we give you thanks. Amen. Please remain standing for just a couple more minutes as I continue to read where I just left off at the beginning of Colossians, um, and we're going to read here in verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and earth, the the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Our theme for the year, Christ the Greatest Influencer, fits so nicely here with our theme for this month, gratitude. 
And coming into the week of Thanksgiving, I want us to contemplate together the gratitude that we should have when we recognize the greatness of Christ. So here's the sum of what I want us to get today and carry out through this week. We should be filled and overflowing with gratitude when we recognize who Christ is and what Christ did. We should be filled and overflowing with gratitude when we recognize who Christ is and what Christ did. Thanksgiving is not simply an expression of a manner, but the manner of expressing thanks. That is, giving thanks is not expressing good manners. If you've had parents or grandparents or a caretaker uh, who's taught you manners, I want you to help me out here and fill in the blanks, okay? We say, yes, ma'am, and... Okay, no, ma'am, and... No, sir. We say, please, and... Thank you. you, Is that how you say it, though? Please, and... Thank you. (laughs) Please, and... Thank you. Thank you, yes. But giving thanks really stems out of a heart of gratitude, all right? Thanksgiving, then, is a manner in which we express this gratitude, okay? A gratitude founded in who Christ is and what Christ did. So first, I want to talk about who Christ is. Profound gratitude stems from a sincere understanding of Christ as God the Son, Christ as God the Son. We're going to watch a quick video here of Dr. Lockeridge, who tells us all the things of the ways of who Christ is. You play that for us. The Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be at all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. 
I get goosebumps every time I watch that. I've watched it a bajillion times and every time because of a sincere understanding of Christ as God, the Son. Well, let's start in Genesis 1, okay? We're going to run through the whole Bible here. Um, In the beginning, in the beginning, Yes, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, so we're not going to go through the entire Bible. We're going to jump ahead here to John 1, and we see this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. That's the wrong way. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Now, we're going to jump to a little bit later in John here, uh, closer to where we see what Christ came to do. So I hope that scripture is speaking for itself here of who Jesus is. After Jesus had said these things. Here's what happens here. We, come, we get to this part right after Jesus' prayer, and we find Jesus in the garden after the Passover meal in the upper room. Where, by the way, as I mentioned last time I spoke in chapel, is where he humbled himself as a servant and washed the disciples' feet as an example. 
which was just a foretaste of the servanthood that was to come on the cross. And here in John 18, after Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where, he, there, where there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them. Notice that. He knew everything that was about to happen to him, and he went out to meet them. He knew they were coming. He knew what was about to happen from here on out, all the way to the cross. And he willingly went out to meet them. Who is it that you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. They answered, I am he, Jesus told them. And Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. A few chapters earlier, we know that uh, John says that Satan had entered Judas. And so I think that's one reason that John points this out, that uh, Satan was there uh, in the midst of this time. And when Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. In some way here, we see the power and the glory of the almighty God revealed. He's essentially saying, I am God. I and the Father are one. I say in some way, it's revealed because the fullness of God is not fully seen here because the guys got back up and ended up arresting Jesus. If the fullness of God would have been there, they'd all just been dead because we know that no one can see God and live. And so uh, here is the transition to what Christ did. We read about who he is. We started there in John 1. All throughout John, John is talking about who Christ is as the Son of God, God the Son, his deity. And here we transition to what Christ did because after this point, he willingly goes all the way to the cross. My pastor says it well about this section of scripture, so I'm gonna use his words. He says, here, what we just read, Jesus reveals the glory of God as power. They were knocked to the ground. But from here on, Jesus reveals the glory of God as weakness, compassion, and forgiveness. So here we see Jesus revealing his power in the garden I am statement, but then he humbly and willingly gives himself as a servant for the sake of the sheep, a lamb to the slaughter, but the holy, unblemished, perfect, sacrificial lamb who justifies those who call upon his name in repentance and belief. Our deep gratitude is not grounded simply in what Christ did, but in who it was who did the doing. The very creator, the word, the one who became flesh, the one who is one with the Father. What Christ did. Well, 
we could spend a whole semester here uh, on Christ's work on the cross because Christ's work on the cross is the very foundation of every aspect of the Christian life. But for now, this is what we're going for. Profound gratitude results from deep consideration of undeserved justification. That gratitude that's rooted in Christ results from a deep consideration of undeserved justification. It's undeserved. When we lay down our haughty, proud attitude, we can more move towards a humble gratitude. Because That kind of sounds like something Pastor T would say, right? Like, we lay down our haughty attitude, we can move towards a humble gratitude. He has all those, you know, pastor little, little lines that he throws in. Um, because we have done nothing to deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it, and we can do nothing to complete it. And I want you to hang on to that for just a second. Because even our very sanctification is rooted in justification. That we can do nothing to deserve it, earn it, or complete it, right? Justification is the grounding even of our sanctification. The great exchange of sin for righteousness is the foundation of our becoming more and more like Jesus. Not the work we put in, not because we did a devotional today are we sanctified, nor if we missed should we feel shame. No, it's a daily leaning in humility on the work of Christ on our behalf that pushes us to move towards him because of an abundantly flowing gratitude out of our hearts. Did you catch that? It's not things that we do. It's the work of Christ and daily leaning in humility on him and his work on our behalf that pushes us towards him. What did he do? He justified us, undeserved justification. What is justification? What did he do? He declared and made us righteous. On one's own, no one can do good. No, not one, Romans 3. You, your own righteousness is like filthy rags. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So let's pick up on the very next verse where we left off in Colossians, verse 21. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. Sorry, I put John 18. This is actually uh, continuing in Colossians. Uh, here, is this John 18 or is it Colossians? John 18. Sorry, I, I don't know which one I put up there. Anyway, verse 21. <laughs> Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. Colossians? Yeah. I put John 18 uh, in my mistake. <clears throat> so, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is what you were. You were alienated and hostile, and that was expressed in your evil actions. If you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this is you. 
You are alienated. You are hostile in your minds, and you express that in your evil actions. But in humble service, Jesus utterly gave himself. So what happens next in the story in, in John? What happens to Jesus? Name a few things of things that happened to Jesus. You can say them out loud to me. Crowned with thorns. What else? He's whipped. He's persecuted. He's mocked. He's ridiculed. He's denied. He's hit. He's falsely accused. He's beaten. He's nailed to a cross. He's pierced in the side. Again, Colossians. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy and faultless and blameless before God. When we grasped the magnitude of his giving of himself, we are better positioned towards gratitude. When we grasp the undeserved standing, the standing that we get presented before God as holy and faultless and blameless, we are better positioned towards gratitude. So let's summarize, apply, and then we'll close together. Let's summarize here. I think Philippians 2 gives a great summary of who Christ is and what he did. Christ, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So this week, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Use these questions to have conversation with family. Ask these questions of your family, of your small groups. Do I know him? I mean, do you really know him? I don't mean, do you have them all figured out? I don't mean... Do you have all the theology uh, made sense of in your mind that you have the answers clearly worked out? I mean, do you have a personal relationship with him through faith? Because it's not enough to know of him. It's not enough to have grown up in church or to believe what your parents or your pastor have said. It's not enough to believe that Christ is who he says he is. Even the demons believe that. It's not enough to go to a Christian university or come to chapel even when you don't have to have credits. It's undeserved, completely undeserved. Do you know him? The next question, do I recognize my undeserved 
justification. If you know him, if you have repented and followed him in faith, do you really contemplate and recognize your righteous standing before God? If you did, you would humbly come before him every single day to be more like him. That's through the sanctification. It's through this justification grounding. It's not of things that you do. Are the things that you do helpful? Being in the word of God? Clearly. But it's not the things that you do. It's the righteous standing before God that you have. Recognizing that if you fought for your rights, you'd be in hell. That's what you and I deserve. If we really fought for what we deserve, it would be hell. But by his grace, we are forgiven. And more than forgiveness, we are declared righteous with Christ's righteousness. Finally, do I have a posture of deep gratitude? Do I have a posture of deep gratitude? Consider that this week. If you would stand with me, we're going to close together with another scripture. And my prayer is that uh, I didn't have a lot of lofty words. Uh, I hope that uh, scripture is able to speak for itself today, that scripture is not boring, um, that it's a powerful, and that it pierces our hearts. And here in Psalm 86:12, our last scripture for today, say this with me, please. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Turkey, cranberry, all the things of this world, they cannot satisfy. They can't satisfy us. But Christ, God the Son, he can. Have a great Thanksgiving.